how can I get the best thing without spending hardly anything? That's, you know, my, my goal when I go shopping. But the problem is we bring this mindset. Oh, was there an amen for it? Was Heather confirming? Yes, yes, she could, she could vouch for the truth of that statement. Uh, the problem is we bring this kind of consumer attitude into the church. And we come to church and we think, how can I get the most out of church with the least investment. And we, and we come and we, we kind of shop for churches and we look at, you know, as if we were, were buying something on Amazon and comparing all the stats and saying, okay, uh, the, the music, are these the songs I like, you know, the copyright dates I like, the artists I like, the tempo, the instruments I like, okay, check, check, check. Uh, the preaching, is it expositional? Is it exegetical? Are there some good stories? Uh, Does everything rhyme? Is it convicting but not too convicting? Is it done in 33 minutes? Whatever. The programs, is there something for my kids? Is Is there a men's group, a women's group, a recovery group, a singles group, a soup kitchen? You know, do they have the programs? We look at other areas of doctrine. Are they, you know, are they four and a half or four and three quarter point Calvinist? Are they homeschool friendly? Are they patriotic? Is the parking good? Is it business casual attire? Whatever. We look at all these things like we're shopping for how we could get just what we want out of church. Well, the Bible describes a scene that's really entirely opposite than that. Instead of consumers, the church is fellow Christ followers eternally and organically bound together by the love of Christ. It describes an entirely different situation when there's a, a bond that's eternal, and uh, it's because Christ has made us into something, and it's not that we are, are shopping around. So instead of, how can I get the most from church with the least investment, <laughs> our question is, how can I best invest my life for the sake of Christ's church? Really the opposite question. We, we saw the first three weeks in this series that we really flourish in our relationship with God. We really thrive through the habits, the basic habits of being in the Bible, being in God's Word, of talking to God in prayer regularly, and taking time to worship, to reflect on the worthiness of God. These are habits that cause us to to thrive in our relationship with God. And then when we turn toward uh, our relationship with the others in the church, this group of people you see around you here, um, we see that the core habits are, are just sharing in life together, koinonia, that intertwined lives together, loving each other. Um, it's giving of ourselves sacrificially for the sake of Christ's church. And then today we'll talk about serving together, sharing in service. Because you have been designed, equipped, commissioned to serve in Christ's body, the church. In fact, ministry is what you were made for. That's our big idea today is that you were made for ministry. If you are a follower of Jesus, you were made for ministry. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you should follow Jesus in this way. Here's what he did. He says, for even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what Jesus did. Now, today we're going to look at four different passages, um, 
And the reason is not to confuse you, but uh, I could have chosen any one of these. But, um, but each one kind of brings in a different aspect of, of serving. And uh, I also just wanted to express that this is not some um, isolated little comment to, to one of the churches of the, of the New Testament, but it's a pervasive idea throughout the New Testament that all followers of Jesus were made for ministry. So we'll look at these four uh, passages in Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians, and Romans, and in 1 Peter today. Uh, most of these passages uh, use the body metaphor, um, really common metaphor in the New Testament uh, for a description of the church and how it works together, the body of Christ. Um, all these passages invite us, we might say, uh, to become what we are. In other words, we are a body of Christ. And he is asking us to act like it, (laughs) to live out, to become what we already are. Uh, All of these passages emphasize that you were made for ministry. And so we'll start with the first one, Ephesians 4. This is the passage um, our 9 o'clock groups um, were looking at this week and discussing this morning, really um, a rich uh, passage. It's in Ephesians at the point where it kind of shifts from from the theology to, to the practical stuff. And here's how it starts. Verse 1 of Ephesians 4. And in this passage, we especially learned that your ministry is essential. It's critical. Verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So this walk in a manner worthy, uh, it literally is like it has the equal weight. In other words, uh, you've been called to be this thing. Now, how you actually live should match that. Uh, walk worthy. Uh, because what are you, you're not a club, you're not a corporation, you're not an affinity group, but you are a body. Verse 4 says that there is one body of Christ. So how should we act as a body? All these people in this room, how should we treat each other? How should we interact with each other? Verses 2 to 3, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think this all describes that koinonia word that we talked about, that fellowship, that sharing life together in love and unity. It's it's described right here. Since you are the body of Christ, this is how you should be treating each other. Unified organically, we might say, but gifted really differently. Verse 7 says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Uh, God deals out the gifts. God distributes them according to his purpose, and he distributes them to all of us who follow him. For example, verse 11 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers uh, technically speaking, this, this list is not talking about spiritual gifts as much as it's talking about uh, spiritual people, like certain kinds of people that God gave to the church. And uh, 
Some of us, especially historically over the generations and some of what we've inherited, has this mindset of, oh, good, God's given the church these, you know, apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, uh, so they could do ministry for us. We could just come and watch it happen. It'll be great. Um, But that's not what it says. Verse 12, why did God give the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers? Verse 12, to equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So every single follower of Jesus is a minister. Your ministry is critical to the mission. It is essential. The apostles, evangelists, pastors, etc., they, they simply help coordinate uh, the efforts and, and train and equip to, to help us all do what God has designed us to do. Uh, Tom mentioned that, uh, that Billy Graham passed away this past week um, at almost 100. Um, he was born in 1918. What, what a, a legend of, of faith in our, in our country, all the crusades, all his interaction with, um, with you know, presidents and other celebrities, just, just incredible what he did. But primarily all these evangelistic uh, meetings that he would have you know, in stadiums and just tons of people came to be followers of Jesus um, due to his efforts. But really, if the church as a whole didn't invite, didn't pray, didn't counsel, then it would just be Billy and the band in a big empty stadium, right? Because Billy Graham's role was he is a gift from God. Uh, his role was to coordinate the efforts of the rest of us. Because we are all ministers. That's what we are made for. Uh, this past week, I've told some of you because, well, I was complaining uh, because I had jury duty and I went in for three days. I finally es- escaped um, at, the, at the last minute. I got into the box and then got eliminated. Um, but uh, the night before that, I was talking to Munian, actually, and... Uh, I was saying, you know, how am I going to get out of this, basically? And, and she made some comment. I don't remember the exact words. Uh, maybe she remembers, but it was something like, oh, you need to tell them how much, you know, how needy our church is, you know, how <laughs> we really need our pastor. And, and I thought, uh, you know, there are a ton of needs in this church family. There's a lot of difficult things that some of you are going through even right now. But it is just a joy to see this church body function as a body. And uh, collectively, we do the work of the ministry. If I got on that jury and had to serve for the next few weeks, uh, ministry would absolutely keep happening here, here at the church. Some of you might not even notice the difference. <laughs> so the church is not something you just observe or critique from the outside. It's something that you are, and your engagement in serving is really essential. And here's what happens when all of God's people are doing what they're designed to do. Uh, Verse 13 says this. Here's the goal or the result. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, you know, the church is all grown up, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 15 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the result of all of us doing our ministry is that the church flourishes. It grows. It gets stronger. It gets healthier. It gets more mature. It gets to be looking more and more like Jesus and like Jesus intends it to be. So one problem, so to speak, in the church is that um, sometimes there's people who are not engaged. And this Ephesians passage says, no, uh, ministry is for all the saints. We need to all engage. But another problem is that we tend to, when we think of roles in the church and things people do, we tend to either overvalue or undervalue our role in the church. And I believe 1 Corinthians 12 addresses this. Um, the setting, the Corinthian church, it, it just it had, it had a lot of issues. You know, a lot of, some of the same things that churches today face and there was some, some false teaching creeping in, and there were troublemakers, and there was dissension, and there was people kind of forming groups, and uh, people comparing each other, and especially when it came to their function in the body of Christ. People were feeling like, oh, that's a special role, and that role is, you know, is not as special. And we tend to bring this, the, the, the ranking of the world um, this comparing each other, we bring that into the church. We say, oh, that, that person is special because of what they do in the church. Or, or other roles we just don't even really think about at all. And we, we form this kind of celebrity mentality even in, in the church. And in the, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, don't, don't do that. <laughs> we tend to get puffed up or deflated based on our, how we perceive our role in the church. But verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12, it reminds us that we are all united around this common belief in Jesus. Again, there's this unity in Jesus, but in verse 4 and following, we have different aptitudes, different gifts, different um, gifts of the Spirit. Verses 4 to 7 says, now there are varieties of gifts. You know, there's all different ways you've been... um, You've been given different aptitudes, but it's the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, lots of different ways to serve God, but there's the same master, Lord. Verse 6, there's varieties of activities. There's all kinds of things you can do at church, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. <laughs> You've been, you've been gifted in a certain way for the good of all of us here in this room and for the broader church uh, of Christ everywhere. Everyone who trusts Jesus has been enabled by the Spirit to do something special in his church. If you don't know what it is yet for you, you should, uh, you should figure that out or just uh, try some things. You have a valuable contribution to make. And then verses 8 to 11, he gives several examples of of different ways God gifts people. And then we get to verse 12, and we're back to this body metaphor again. The church is like a body. Verse 12 says, For just as the body is one, like the body of Christ, there's just one church, 
And as many members, there's all kinds of different people in it, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, and so it's like this with Christ. One church, lots of different roles, and they're all valuable. They're all really important. They're all really critical. Verses 14 to 18 kind of fleshes this out with the, with the body metaphor. Um, it says, for the body does not consist of one member but many. For example, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, well, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chooses. There's no place for, uh, for feeling inferior in God's family. There's no place for feeling superior in God's family. It's because God's just arranged the members to, to serve various functions just for his purposes, for his glory. This, this body metaphor is really vivid. Uh, it, it reveals just you know, how vital every part is. Uh, parts we never even think about, if we thought about losing that, uh, we would realize how much that uh, means to us. You know, if I didn't have you know, my, my finger, I hardly ever think about my fingers. But then if I think about losing one, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I love my fingers. Or your eye, or your ear, your internal organs, your leg, your skin, your tongue, your lips. I couldn't help thinking of, uh, of Larry the Cucumber, who sings about loving his lips. Um, how much he'd miss them if something happened to them. You know, I don't know what your um, special way that God has gifted you to serve in the church, but, but it's important, whatever it is. He did not make a mistake. He didn't skip you over. He intends for you to do something special in the church. Now, in some churches, in some cultures, I think there's more of a culture of, of elevating certain um, positions. Like in some churches, the pastor might be kind of a celebrity status, or maybe the, the worship leader, oh, everybody, you know, is amazed at that, or, or the one who can just do a special solo, you know, they like special status. Um, I, I don't feel like we have as much, thankfully, that culture here. But I think there can be this sense, um, just in the body of Christ, you're, you're together and you're interacting, and you feel inferior because of someone else's giftedness around you. Maybe you're in a Bible study and somebody always, you know, has this key insight into the passage. They just understand it so well. And you're like, I don't really know. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to duck out now. Or somebody has just the right counsel to give. Like, oh, man, I was so profound and just perfect. And I have no idea what to say. So I'm just going to not say anything. And we start to withdraw and not realize that, that God has gifted us all for a function in his body. You were made for ministry, and your ministry is completely valuable. It's, it's precious to the body. Well, like I kind of alluded to, sometimes we undervalue, we feel inferior, and sometimes we overvalue, and uh, among other things, the Romans 12 passage addresses this. Uh, a lot of overlap in these two passages, um, just 
really right along the same lines of our function in the body of Christ. So again, kind of similar to the Ephesians passage, this is after the theological uh, discourse, and then it turns to real practical. Um, Paul turns that corner in chapter uh, 12 in Romans. All this rich theology about the gospel and, and uh, how we've been and chosen and saved and redeemed by Christ. And so as a recipient of that grace, as a, as a beneficiary of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, um, you've been placed in Christ. You belong to Christ. You are in the realm of Christ. And so now, how, how do you live? What, what does your life look like if you are in Christ? Again, he turns to the body metaphor. We'll start in verse 3. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, don't overestimate your, um, your function in the body of Christ. But instead to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. Your ministry, your contribution, your role is unique. We don't all have the same function. We don't all do the same thing in the body of Christ. We, we don't all have the same giftedness. And this is uh, how God intended it to be. He's totally fine with that, and so we should be as well. Um, and because the members don't all have the same function, it creates this interdependence where we so much need each other, the working together of the body. Um, verse 5 says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and we're individually members of one another. This is probably starting to sound very familiar because a lot of the same language as the First Corinthians passage. And then in verse 6, he gives a bunch of examples. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, what do we do? Well, we use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, whatever God's gifted you with, uh, use that in the church. That, that's what it's for. I, I think there's some value in some of the... Um, the spiritual gift inventories, maybe you've seen some of those. Um, I actually worked extensively uh, on one as I, as I studied these um, at the church we were at before. And so work in a class on some of this. And I think, there, I think there's a value because sometimes we just need a, a push in the right direction. Like, well, I don't, I don't know how I'm gifted. Um, and those, those can be really helpful. But the emphasis in the Bible is never on discovering. <laughs> it's just on doing it. Whatever God's given you, just just do this. Let us use them. When God saves us, he doesn't erase our uniqueness, but he redeems our uniqueness, and he adds to that um, an enablement for special, unique ways to minister. So uh, how has God enabled you? What has he given you for the sake of his church? Maybe you have um, a quickness to grasp the meaning of Scripture. You're in a group and like the lights go on quicker, more quickly for you. Maybe it's really easy for you to make friends. 
Maybe you have a tender heart for those in need. Maybe you're inclined to, to organize and coordinate things. Maybe you notice that people tend to come to you for advice or comfort. Maybe God's brought you or your family through a difficult situation, so you have a story to help others in a similar situation. Maybe you're skilled at fixing things. Maybe you're a peacemaker. Maybe you're a leader. You have technical skills. Maybe you can help others grasp complicated ideas. And and on and on. There's different ways that God has given us enablement, and he intends us to use those for the sake of his body. To benefit his body locally, like this group right here, and to benefit his body globally. His big, his great big church. You were made for ministry. Your ministry is unique, so don't, don't neglect it. Your ministry is essential. It's valuable. It's unique. But First Peter, our final passage, it takes us even one step further. I think in... In the Peter passage, we also learn that your ministry is sacred. It's, it's a holy thing. It's a, it's a God thing. Here's the setting as I, as I hear the pages flying over there. Um, question is, what, uh, what's being addressed, uh, at least partially in First Peter, is, is what, what do we do when we encounter opposition as, as a church, as as the church of God, we, um, when there's persecution, when there's hardship, there's trials. Well, do we, do we run and hide? Do we uh, watch our own backs? Do we tuck into our, our shells? Uh, no, verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Well, no, we don't run and hide. We gather together and we love each other earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. In verse 9, we show hospitality to one another and we do it without grumbling. I thought those, those phrases are a lot like um, sharing in life and sharing in giving. You keep loving one another earnestly. That's the koinonia. That's the shared lives together. We're, we're united. We're we're loving each other. We're in each other's lives. Um, hospitality, in this sense, is is typically talking about like the entertaining of of strangers, people who you don't know. Maybe a, a Christians from another place are are uh, seeking seeking refuge or passing through town or etc. and opening homes to them. And it's really that that giving heart for the sake of Christ's body. So the sharing in life, sharing and giving, and then, as we're talking about today, the sharing. In serving, verse 10. Okay, I feel like I should just pause right here because I see some glassy eyes. I'm dumping tons of scripture on you today, and my, my desire is that you would latch on to one of those passages and, and go back and, and, uh, and, and mill over that during the week. There's just a, a, rich, um, a, a rich depth of what it means to be in the body of Christ. So this morning, I'm just kind of tossing it all out in barrels full and, uh, and, and hoping you, you catch some of it as it goes by. Verse 10. <laughs> like I said, it's about serving. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. So how should we view our ministry to one another? You know, God's gifted us so we could serve one another. Uh, verse 11, the first half, I think, is really, it's really profound. It talks about two general categories of, of ministry. Um, so verse 11 says, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So if your, if your ministry, the way God has uh, designed you, involves um, saying things, <laughs> he says, say things as if you are handling like an oracle of God. It's a message right from God that you are, are delivering. So um, maybe you are leading a Bible study or, or maybe um, you're just having coffee with somebody in sort of a discipleship, mentoring kind of relationship. Or maybe you are writing a note of encouragement to somebody. Um, maybe you're offering counsel to somebody. Maybe you, you read scripture on the platform or you, or you help um, lead the worship songs. These are all uh, talking uh, gifts, so to speak. These are all talking ways to minister. And so he says, if you speak, speak as one that's handling the very oracles of God. So you're giving some advice or you're sitting around having coffee. You're, you're not just, you know, talking off the top of your head and just saying whatever. You're thinking, how can I best represent the, the mind of God in this situation. What has God told us in his word that I can pass on faithfully in, in this song, in this conversation, in this sermon, in this discussion, in this counseling session, whatever it is? Speak as oracles of God. Well, maybe the primary way you minister is, is not um, by speaking. Well, he talks about all the other ones here. Whoever serves, you know, any other kind of ministry, do it as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Whatever you do in the church, do it with this, this understanding that it's God who enables this. It's God who empowers it. He's the, he's the strength. He's the energy. He's the purpose behind all of it. And that's whether you are baking a casserole for somebody who's recovering from surgery, or you're working with church finances, or you're serving as a deacon. Well, deacon really means ser- server, so if you're serving as a server, if you're deaconing as a deacon, or if you're sewing things for Bangladesh, or you're running sound and video, thanks team back there, props to you. See, I don't always just point out when, you know, I need something from you, just Great, great job. Um, if you're vacuuming a floor, if you're hosting a fellowship meal, if you're doing any of those, do it with an awareness that this is empowered by God. I'm vacuuming that floor after coffee fellowship or after, you know, uh, our potluck fellowship meals, and I'm kind of wearing out, and, well, I'm kind of over this now. And it should well over you, like, oh, this is, I'm God-empowered to do this thing I'm doing right now. You know, however, however uh, thrilling or however mundane it might be, what, however you serve, do it as one who serves by the strength 
that God supplies. And I think that's just a really powerful statement in the beginning of verse 11 there. So what's the point of all these sacred words and these sacred acts of service? Um, The end of that verse says this, in order that, so that, in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, and to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is the point of us serving our function in the church. When we're all doing what God designed us to do, we're all treating our ministry as sacred, then God gets the glory. Christ uh, looks wonderful to the world that's watching and says, man, that is amazing. I think I have some things that I'm just going to click through because I think I've already talked about them. Here's someone doing push-ups for you. So you meet somebody that's in really good shape, they're really healthy, and, uh, and I think what we typically think of is that person looks healthy. And we don't, uh, we don't itemize, like, man, that guy's spleen must just be 100% right now. And uh, his earlobes and you know, his tonsils and, and those, all those little muscles I don't know the names of. We, we don't think about that. It's like the overall picture is, oh, that's, that's health and vitality. And so when someone looks at the church, we're not looking at, oh, that person, you know, their function is really special and they're standing out. We say, Christ looks great. Christ's body is, 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 is glorious because it's reflecting Christ well when we're all treating our tasks as sacred. So this makes... Um, what we do in the church a lot more than volunteerism. It's not just like, well, this is another place to, you know, do some volunteer work. I'll do some things at the church. No, what we do for Christ is a sacred task. Your ministry is sacred. So here's just kind of in conclusion some implications that that struck me this week. Okay, some questions. Maybe for some of you, you just don't feel like you're, you're part of um, the body. That doesn't feel genuine to you. Well, it's quite possible, honestly, that, that you're not. And uh, these, these passages we're looking at is making an assumption that um, uh, it's addressing people who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And when the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, He places us into His body. So I think I just needs to be stated this morning, if you don't really feel like part of this whole thing, um, you, you might not yet be part of this whole thing if you have not placed your trust in Christ as your Savior from sin. And each of us needs to come to that place where we realize, wow, I, I'm lost without, without God. I, I need a Savior. In my own, I'm, I'm a mess. Um, I have sinned against the God of the universe and then we need to come to the place to realize, but, but he's offered forgiveness. And he's invited me into his family. And I need to believe in him and embrace that to receive it. And to receive the gift where he says that we can be called the actual children of God. Placed into his family, into his body. So maybe if you don't feel like part of the body, maybe you need to become part 
of the body through trust in Christ. But it could be that you've just been uh, sort of living on the fringe and uh, you, you're a true follower of Jesus, but you just haven't been fulfilling your, your function. You just haven't been serving. Maybe you haven't found your niche, so to speak, or it just haven't, it hasn't occurred to you, or you just haven't, um, it just hasn't happened yet. Well, I just want to tell you, jump in and do something. Put it out there and just say, I'm, I'm going to serve. I'm going to invest in the lives of the people in this church. I'm going to look for ministry needs, ministry opportunities. That's, that's the whole point of this um, ministry fair. That, that might be a bold name for what it is. But, um, but this, this invitation for you to come and, and learn about some of our ministry opportunities here. And so I, I do invite you right after the service to go uh, peruse the opportunities in the fellowship hall. Uh, that's why we do that, to say, uh, jump in, do, do something, engage. Because when a part of the body doesn't get, get used, it, uh, it atrophies and it kind of shrivels up and becomes non-functioning. That is um, detrimental to the whole body, right? But it's especially detrimental to that, that part. <laughs> Don't be that part. Maybe um, you're wondering how God has designed you to serve. Maybe you just don't, don't know. I, what, what's God given me, and how could I use it? There's several ways um, that you could look at that, and one of them is just where do you get uh, feedback in the body of Christ, like positive feedback? You know, you're offering some, some, some counsel, and people are start to be drawn to you, and they, they see that this is, um, this is from the Lord and is good counsel, guess what? God's gifted you in that way. Maybe it's some other realm. You're getting feedback and people are in the body of Christ are affirming that. So basically jump in and try some things and see um, what God does with that. Uh, there's also some great uh, tools. Um, uh, sh- the Shape book by Eric, uh, and I forgot his name. I forgot to wrote it down, write it down here. Uh, it walks through this acronym of, of how God has you know, shaped us for ministry, an acronym for, for spiritual gifts, which are listed in these passages we saw today. What is our, our heart? You know, what things kind of fire you up? What are you passionate about? What abilities do you have? What personality has God given you? And what experiences, both hard things and wonderful things, that, that have... Uh, happened in your life that God could use for ministry. So kind of think of that, that realm. Don't, don't just look at this list in 1 Corinthians and say, well, I, I can't find myself on there. Uh, think, think broader. And finally, I kind of mentioned this. You're wondering just where to serve here, how you can get plugged in at the First Baptist Church. Go to the ministry tables. Uh, straight in the back, Without even, you know, making it out of the four-year, there's a bunch of little purple sheets that say some of our, kind of the current ministries that are going on. If you look through those and none of those, like, I ah, no, it's not me, well, just call us. You know, email or call the office, and we will help you find something to do here. And it'll be awesome. Uh, you can even write it on your, your Connect card um, and put it in that wooden box. And uh, if you, you know, if you're phone shy, that's fine. I am phone shy also. So, uh, in summary, uh, how should we view our ministry? Well, your ministry is essential. We need it. You need it. It's valuable. It's unique. 
That's why there's this interdependence on each other. And your ministry, what you do for Christ, whether it's a a talking ministry or a doing ministry, uh, it's sacred. It is holy. So, parting challenge is, uh, if you've just been watching church happen, well, stop watching the church and just start being the church. That's our challenge for all of us. I think all these passages, that's what they invite us to do, to, to be the body of Christ, to live out the, the function, to be all of us our ministers because that's uh, what we were made for. Um, let, let me just thank the Lord for all the ministers that he has brought uh, to us at First Baptist Church. Lord God, uh, you are so good, and uh, we celebrate that, and we, we don't always do a great job of making you look good, but, but uh, you look good anyway. I pray that all of us in this room, everybody who is a follower of Jesus, that we would embrace whatever role you've given us, however you have, have graced us, that we, we'd embrace that for, for your sake and for the sake of your church. Lord, I pray that if there's those who have been around church a while, but they're kind of feeling on the fringe and haven't really found a uh, a niche of significance, I, I pray that they would, would find that and they'd make the efforts to, to invest and find such uh, rewards out of, out of serving you. It is such a privileged joy to be part of something uh, eternal and to do that together. And so we thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen.